a long, long time ago, in an alternate reality, it seems, your favorite football team signed Miles Jack. Have we even talked about this? When I say we, I mean all of us invested in this process. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll additionally check out. Miles Jack was the free agent target everyone, everyone wanted around here. Unless I misread all the various vibes out there. In fact, it felt like in the lead up to his signing that the general sentiment had turned to, ah, don't get your hopes up. You know, this is just too much. It's asking too much. The Steelers don't do this sort of thing. They're not going to spring for someone of that prominence. They're not going to. And then, then they did. The problem was... Jack's signing came in a whirlwind week where a bunch of other guys were signed, where everyone was still talking about quarterback this, quarterback that. And oh, by the way, Jack was going to be added to an inside linebacking core that also includes Devin Bush. Wah, wah. And there it went. It feels to me like the excitement over Jack lasted less than 24 hours. And I'm really not sure that that's fair. So I want today to do kind of a hard rewind here. Before the draft, before a lot of other news. And refocus singularly on this player who in three of his four seasons in Jacksonville. And oh, by the way, there's that too topped 100 tackles. He showed that he could cover the tight end coming out of the backfield, showed that he could cover the running back, showed that he could fill the holes, the running lanes, showed everything that you'd want to see out of an inside linebacker in the 2020s. And if that prototype sounds at least a little bit familiar, it might be because in 2019, that's the way Bush played. Bush was all over the football. When I think of Bush as a rookie, I think of the term ball hawk, even though that's something that you more commonly associate with a safety or another defensive back. He just had a feel for where the ball was going to be. Not where it was, but where it was going to be. And he would take the fastest possible route to it, and he would be aggressive not just with the tackles, but also with the football. Have we forgotten that too? At least that was a lot longer ago. But in Jack, you have that again, and he's still young, just 26 years old. And best of all, there's all kinds of good that could come from having two players in the same mold at the inside linebacker position, which again is a 2020s thing. It's not the way those of us who've been watching football a long, long time have learned to appreciate excellence at that position. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. To explain why it's a good thing to have not one but two versions of the 2019 Devin Bush or the 2021 Miles Jack, depending on how you want to view this conversation, it's necessary to try to think back to the best version of Bush. And I know, I know, I'm not trying to bury everything that happened with him in 2021. I'm not trying to ignore all the visible physical limitations that he had coming off the ACL, but also some of the really uninspired body language that couldn't have had anything to do with any knee injury at any point in his life. I'm just talking about how he played then. One of Bush's greatest strengths, if not the one that was the most valuable to that Keith Butler defense, was that he virtually eliminated the screen pass and other short passes from the opponent's arsenal. If that sounds over the top, go back and watch the film all over again. Because you will find teams that loved previously to exploit the Steelers in the short passing game. And, you know, I don't have to dig very deep to come up with at least one prominent former New England quarterback who did that. Oh, only like a couple million times or so, it seemed. Bush was not Ryan Shazier. He wasn't a rookie version of Ryan Shazier. He was not that player. He's a different type of player. But he did this thing especially well. And because he was good at it, he was near the football, and he made plays on the football. And at times, do you remember those fumble recoveries that he had where the ball would just kind of uh, bounce right up to him, and you'd say, huh, that was lucky, but then it would happen again. Or he'd get an interception after it went off somebody else's hands, and you'd think the same thing, but once those things recur regularly, anybody in football will tell you it's not an accident. It's not a fluke. Ed Reed didn't just magically find himself underneath all those footballs all those years in Baltimore. He knew where to be, sniffed it out, he felt it, he read it, he studied it. In Bush's case, it was more a matter of just being there because he follows the ball so well. Now, what's that have to do with Jack? If you have two of those, and I'm throwing a big if into the mix, just by presuming that Bush will come back a lot healthier than everyone with the organization knew him to be in 2021. If you have one of those for either side of the field or for both sides of the field, you take away so much of what the other team wants to do. It's not just about run stopping. It's not just about the debacle in Minneapolis. You never want to see that replicated. Yes, Bush and Joe Schobert were absolute embarrassments. In that regard, it can't be replicated, but I would also argue that it won't be replicated because you're never going to see the defensive line look as scattered as that group did. 
without Stefan Tuitt, without Tyson Alulu, with Cam Hayward being pretty much bled to death out there to try to cover for everybody else's mistakes. The defensive line is still going to be primarily responsible for stopping the run. You know why? Because that part of football has definitely not changed. But you're inside linebackers. If you have both of these guys playing to their own capabilities, not more, not more. You don't have to set some, you know, fantasy land ceiling on either of them. They're not going to be Lawrence Taylor. They're not going to be Lawrence Timmons. But if they both can be utilized together, and let's remember that it's Brian Flores in the house right now who's handling them, that's going to be a big, big difference for this already impressive defense. When we come back, just one question. for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbage, Kelly and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from Mike Gregg, who asks, what will the Steelers be looking for in order for Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett to be named the starter? Will it be one specific thing? How are they going to determine who wins this camp battle? Mike, it's obviously, and I know you know this, going to be way more layered than any one thing. And it might not even be something that's put into a certain pecking order. In all likelihood, it's going to be a body of work. And in all likelihood, and I can't say this often enough, very, very rarely does any management of any team enter a training camp setting, any sport, without knowing or at least having a really good idea of who's going to be where once it's done. They're open, they'll all tell you this, and they usually act on it, if someone really rises above or if someone really falls apart. But there is a preconceived notion. So whatever you hear from the Steelers about two dogs and one bone or three dogs and one bone, if you want to include Mason Rudolph into it, that's not exactly a lie, but it's also not exactly the truth. What I believe about this setting is as follows. I believe that the Steelers would love for Pickett to be that guy. I believe that they would love to have themselves their very own Joe Burrow without comparing the relative skills and whatever else here. They would love to have their own young guy around whom they can begin building that offense immediately and dispensing with the transition process that would have to come by having him watch first and then handle second team reps and then watch football from the sideline and lose some of the momentum 
that Pickett would have gotten from the wonderful season that he had at Pitt. But from there, the big thing, at least as I see it, is going to be accuracy and responsibility. And they are usually one and the same when it comes to quarterback. They loved Pickett's decision-making at Pitt, but they also know that he, like all college quarterbacks, are going to have throws that they made in college that weren't picked off that'll be routinely, casually picked off in the NFL. If they have faith in Pickett's physical abilities, his reflexive and knowledge-based knack for reading a football field, that's all good. They can use that as the foundation and say, listen, we're just going to keep getting better from here. Do these routine things, nail these assignments, and then we'll get a little bit more ambitious. From there, you can start him at the start of the season. However, all of that goes kablooey if he's throwing picks, if he's putting himself into positions to have the football knocked out of his hands in the backfield. If you're turning the ball over on any consistent basis, I don't care if you're a rookie or if you've been in the league for 15 years, everything goes to pieces, including most likely your career, unless, of course, you're Jameis Winston and you can just throw 30 interceptions a year forever. <laughs> that might not feel comfortable for Pickett, who's used to, as, as Pitt fans know, being able to wing it a little bit. You know, move out of the pocket, uh, to, whether it's to the right or even to the left and throwing against his body. He has the confidence and, again, the physical ability to pull that off. But if they're telling him, hey, son, we don't want to see a single pass off a left rollout from you until year three in the NFL, he's just going to have to live with it. He's going to have to operate with some limitations, at least at the outset. Anything at all to avoid the worst-case scenario. And the worst-case scenario is the turnover. Be the game manager. Be the Trent Dilfer in the equation, at least to start out. Show everyone that you can handle all of the the hoo-ha about being in the NFL, the stadiums, the Sunday afternoons, the... Da -da 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 -da, and everything else, and eventually you'll grow into the position. I think that's the Steelers' hope for this summer. We'll see what comes of it. I should just do that ending, that theme there, to end every episode now. Da -da 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 -da, I'll probably get sued for it or whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Thanks for the question. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. <laughs>